On this episode of Scammer Stories, I can count on one hand how many people I've interviewed with a story just like mine. You've heard my story. Now I get to interview someone in almost the exact same position as me. The only big difference is Harriet's mother is still married to her father, and her mother isn't on her deathbed. When she sent me a message, I dropped everything I was doing at work and took as much time as she needed to talk. Harriet gets what her mother is going through. 100% understand that she feels like a girl again. She feels pretty and she's got all this male attention. It's something that she hasn't had in 40 years. She also gets what I felt and so many others like us. I would cry every day on my way home thinking about what was going on and, and feeling helpless and hopeless about what to do. Her smart, loving mother has now turned into something she doesn't recognize, just like mine. It's all lies, and she just chooses to have her head in the sand. Harriet has tried just about everything under the sun. Now that my mother is gone, I often wonder if I should have done more. After this interview, I believe more than ever it's an addiction unlike any other. The reason is the emotions are involved. Addicts may love their cocaine or slot machine, but the draw isn't like a woman who desperately wants to be loved and be in love. Many of Harriet's family members are ex-military, even former oil rig workers, the two occupations that scammers use the most in their scheme. Here's how her nightmare unfolds. So we learned about it right around the fall of 2018. I knew that she was getting messages from people on Words with Friends that were chatting her up and she would talk about, oh, my friend so-and-so and my friend so-and-so. And we told her very early on, be careful because these could be scammers catfishing you. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm really careful. And the thing is, is she always has been extremely cautious about financial security. She's the one that was always telling us to watch out for scams and don't do payday advance loans, things like that. So I believed that she was being careful. And she says, oh, yeah, the moment the subject of money comes up, I block them. Okay, great. And so as she continued to talk about these friends, I really wasn't thinking that much about it or prying into what was going on because I thought that she had the right mindset that was needed. And it wasn't until one day my dad who is a computer programmer by trade. He's in his 70s now, so he doesn't do that any longer. But he's a really smart guy. He's really smart about stuff like that, too. And he comes over and says, can you help me convince your mom that this is a scam? And I don't know what he's talking about. And I think he thinks that I'm I'm in on what's going on. And I was just like, what do you mean? Well, she had printed up a form from ExxonMobil that I had seen sitting on the kitchen table. Initially, I saw it was blank. Then I saw that my ex-husband, who I believe he was living here at the time, had filled out for her because he's got nice writing. She has had Exxon credit cards in the past, so I thought it was something to do with that. Maybe there was a class action suit or something along those lines. So I didn't think I didn't even look at it. But when my dad brings this up to me and I look at it, it's clearly a fake letter that they copied and pasted the ExxonMobil letterhead on it to make it look official. And basically what this form is, is there's a gentleman who is saying that he can't access his money. He's got a privately owned oil rig, used to work for ExxonMobil, has some equipment that needs repairing, can't access his money, and needs her to sign on as his beneficiary so that she can then receive his 401k money or whatever and then put it in his account. And the thing is, is that my dad, he's real cool. He didn't care if she was 
flirting or whatever as long as she was having fun like he he was just kind of like eh, whatever makes you happy dear so anyhow so yeah so i go in and i try talking to her about all the things that are wrong with this form and she right off the bat well he's good to me he's a friend of mine and i'm helping him no matter what so it doesn't matter what anyone says i'm making this happen just real firm she's very controlling anyway so this guy's asking her to send a copy of her her driver's license or passport my dad knows this is bad news, but we're unfamiliar with the romance scam world at this point. So he decides just to be kind of a smartass. He said, well, I'm going to go ahead and send the form, but I'm going to conveniently forget to include her driver's license or passport. So he sent that off. But what we didn't appreciate at the time was that on this form, what they now had that they would not have had from what I can remember was there was a space for her mother's maiden name. So now they have a security question from her along with her signature on this form, which can be copied and pasted into whatever they please. And I don't really remember much else about the form, but there was probably social security number or something else included on that. I tried reverse image searching this guy, couldn't find him anywhere. And that's when I started to realize that these guys are getting smart and they're, they know that they need to use relatively obscure pictures or or newer images that won't pop up yet on the Google image search. She continues kind of talking to this guy on and off, but that's the thing where I can't really tell you a super linear story because there were so many of them coming at her from so many different directions. So when we found out about this in October of 2018, her birthday was September 28th. And um, she walks around this house like a teenager with her Beats headphones on, listening to her music. And we try to speak to her and she's not listening to a word we're saying because she's on her headphones. As her children, there are um, four of us. We got her a bunch of iTunes gift cards, probably about $600 worth. And it wasn't until I think November, December time frame, she asked me to take her to Sam's Club. And Sam's Club is a place that we go to. We make an annual pilgrimage for Christmas gifts because gift cards are a really cheap thing to send across the country. And it was a little early in the year for that. We get in there and she explains that there's this kid that she's talking to that's confined to a wheelchair and he uses the iTunes gift cards to keep himself entertained because he can't go to school. And I guess he uses them for books for homeschooling and, and all this BS. And I remember she asked me not to tell my dad and I said, well, you're spending his money too. And I said, I won't say anything this time, but don't ask me to do it again because I'm telling him. And we're standing in line. She gets up to the register and she's got about $450 worth of gift cards that she's buying. And I was just like, geez, mom, you're sending him that much? And she said, well, yeah. And I said, wait a minute. Wait, did you send these guys all of the gift cards that we gave you for your birthday? Yeah. Oh, my God. And it was at that point I wrote to everybody and I was just like, OK, nobody buy mom iTunes gift cards anymore. She's sending them to her, quote unquote, friends. And I remember on the way home, we're talking more about this kid and she's telling me about him. He lives in Montclair, California, which we used to live in that area. He's got malaria and he's confined to a wheelchair. His father is a doctor for the U.N. that's out in Somalia. And I said, okay, first of all, because I've got a, a, a medical background, there is no doctor that has a child that is homesick. Secondly, there are no children in the United States that suffer from malaria long term. That's a third world country condition. And that's how you know that these people are talking to you from 
most likely West Africa, because they don't understand that that's not a thing over here. And she says, well, he, he says that his dad has been so wicked to him. He talks to him and he's re- really mean. And I said, well, that's another thing, mom. There's no 12 year old boy in the United States that uses the word wicked in that context. And so we get home. I have her send me an image of this kid. And when I see this kid, instantly I know this is a picture that was stolen off the Internet. He's a model or something like that. I do the Google image search. I find his IMDb page. Quick side note, IMDb stands for Internet Movie Database. In the picture that she had of him, but he is now 18. He's Canadian. I find his real name. I show her his profile and say, this is his real name. He's 18 now. And see, here's the picture that you have of him. And here you can tell this is the same photo shoot. Here he is in a red shirt, same day. Here he is in a different position. I'm showing her all of this. And her response is, well, I'm going to have to write to his father and find out why that is. This is where Harriet was so much smarter than me. No, you, you, you confront him with this information. All you're doing is teaching him how to be a better scammer. Don't ask him anything about it. And she comes back and says, oh, they said that because he's so sick, he doesn't think that he's a handsome boy. So they lied and said that that was him. Now, that was the response immediately following that whole setup. And so months later, she shows me, look, he's in the hospital. And it's clearly, and that's another thing that's so unfortunate is that they're preying on someone like her. So she's technologically aware enough to do some things to communicate with them and, and all that, but not enough to understand things like Photoshop. And her vision is so poor, she can't even differentiate it. And you do need somewhat of a trained eye to differentiate those things. But this particular picture, it was pretty freaking clear that they pulled the exact same handsome face from this model kid and put it on some scrawny kid in a hospital bed. And even the skin color wasn't the same, but it was close enough that with her poor vision, it didn't raise any flags. And then she says, you know, will you take me to see him? Yeah, I'll take you to Sam. Let's do it. Where's he at? Oh, he's in a hospital in San Francisco. And I I took time off. I was like, I'm driving you up there. And mark my words, mark my words. They're going to have some excuse for him to not be there anymore. He's going to get sicker and need to be transferred to another hospital. He's going to die. Something's going to happen to cancel our trip. Just know that. And sure enough, I said, ask for his full name. We're going to call and find out what room he's in. And no one was there by that name. You think that would be enough to end it, but nope. Victims cling to every ounce of hope they can find. But she still doesn't believe it. So there was that. There was another gentleman that was flying into LAX again. Yeah, I'll take you. The kid's dad, actually. Days before, oh, he got shot. They flew him to D.C. instead. These guys will get injured and their doctors will begin to communicate with her via WhatsApp or Hangouts. So I've been exactly where you're at right now. Tell me what it was like when your mother, your smart mother was describing this to you and you think she's lost her mind. And how did you react? Just disbelief that my smart mom could believe any of these stories with all this evidence in front of her, with her mindset of of such financial security, suddenly just totally just gone. It was just so frustrating to know that her desire for this love and attention that she's supposedly getting from these people was going to trump a lifetime of being able to trust me. I've given her no reason 
not to trust me. And for her to suddenly flip that and think that I'm the one that's wrong. I was the bad guy too. I'm a journalist by day with research tools at my fingertips. And the thing was, is that I was the whistleblower in the family. I was the one that once all this came out, my dad's very, he's a silent type. So, you know, he was kind of having these things in his mind when he brought me into it. But once I heard about it, I let everybody know what was going on. So then when the rest of the family came at her with, you're being scammed, it needs to stop, what are we going to do? She blames me entirely for the family thinking that all of her friends are scammers. All of it is my fault. Like me, I tried the tough love approach and I tried the sweet approach. So tell me about the kind of the different phases you went through and, and the things you tried. I tried proving it to her by showing her these other people's profiles I tried calling the police to have them talk to her and explain what was going on. I called Adult Protective Services to open a case for elder abuse. She would just refuse to speak to any of them. I've tried just about everything under the sun except for filing a complaint through IC3, only because when I did try to go on that page, I thought this feels more like something for the victim to fill out rather than a family member. So I kind of stayed away from that. I also went on the FBI site and gave it about five minutes. They need all the account numbers and dates of transactions, and that's just the beginning. But Harriet wasn't going to give up like I did, not by a long shot. I called her doctor and asked him if he could do an evaluation on her to see if she's maybe not in the proper frame of mind. And he said, I do that every time I see her and she seems fine. And I explained what was going on. And he said, well, you know, my, my mother's very stubborn. She often has ailments that she refuses to go to the doctor to get seen about. She'll call him and beg for pain meds, but won't actually go anywhere. So he said, you know, as well as I do, he said, I can put in a, a referral for a psyche though, but you know, as well as I do, she's not going, which is true. So he didn't, he didn't do anything and she's competent as far as he's concerned. I wish that he would do more in-depth conversations with her. However, the thing is, is that she knows enough to lie about some of the answers so that he has no reason to press any further. The biggest part about this ordeal with me and with Harriet is that our mothers were lying to us, kind of like we did when we were teenagers. My mom even brought that up, like we're even now. It's like they reverted to being a teenager yes. and having this teen behavior. And that's the, the whole thing is that I 100% I understand that she feels like a girl again. She feels pretty and she's got all this male attention. It's something that she hasn't had in 40 years. I'm 42 years old. She hasn't had that in 40 years. My dad's so cool that he also told her, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You don't have to clean. You don't have to shower. You don't have to pretty yourself up. And so she let herself go. Victims often rationalize what they're doing. She differentiates giving them money and sending them gift cards. They haven't asked me for any money, but minutes later I'll hear her on the phone saying, I can't send you a card right now, honey. Well, you're either lying or you're compartmentalizing. But now with all this stuff, I'm spying on her, laying my phone outside of her door and pressing record while she's on the phone with these guys. I got a hold of her iPad and read a bunch of messages. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I would never invade anyone's privacy the way that I'm doing it to her. <laughs> I did the same thing. I took my mom's phone and did all these messages, and she called me angry when she found out. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened recently was Mother's Day came, and we got her a new iPad, and she gave me her old iPad. And instead of scrubbing it, I left it as it was, and so I got a front row seat to 
all of her conversations. And when she got wind of that, because I was confronting her about things, she started deleting every conversation as soon as she had it so that I wouldn't be able to follow up like that. And then eventually she found it and took it away from me and wouldn't give it back. And one interesting thing you said, and I went through all these phases that I hear you talk about. First, I was angry. And then it came to a point where I just didn't want to talk about it anymore. That's the thing. At the beginning of all of this, I was so heavily involved and I was just mortified every time I'd, you know, I'd I'd sit at her computer and I'd pull up her Amazon and see that, you know, this month alone, she spent $1,600. And it got to a point where I was going through a lot at the time. I was in the process of getting a new job. My boyfriend was displaced from his home, stayed with us. Then my sister and her husband transferred from DC and stayed with us, displaced my boyfriend that was already displaced, displaced me because I started sleeping on the couch. In the middle of all that, I'm also getting a new job. So I'm having to wrap things up at my old job, process all this stuff for the new job. And my mom's being romance scammed. Oh, and I had just started working out at the gym and I you know, lost 30 pounds from that. But I had a lot going on at the time. And I got to a point where I was just so high anxiety. I mean, I, w- I would cry every day on my way home thinking about what was going on and, and feeling helpless and hopeless about what to do. And I I got to a point where I had to just practice avoidance. Stop looking, stop listening. The thing is, is that I know that a lot of it stems from loneliness. No one in this family can offer her what she's seeking, which is romance. I know that she feels that she wasn't being paid attention to by the family and by my dad. My dad's just not the wishy-washy romantic type. That's not going to change. And I just simply, it doesn't matter how much time I take out of my day to spend with her. She's going to find time for these guys. Are you worried about the money running out for your parents in their older age? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That That's pretty much already happening. To be quite honest, there was a piece of me that through the years I would handle her with kid gloves because um, I didn't want to piss her off because I've seen that she can write one of her children off and not speak to them for the rest of their lives. And I didn't want that to happen to me. I also don't like having my mom mad at me. But now that I know that it's all gone and I really don't have much to lose except her being mad at me, screw it. Harriet's mother has run out of money, but that doesn't mean the scumbags are done with her. That's when I started to have more of a harsh approach towards it. And that that's what she's working on now. I, I've known about her applying for loans and things recently. My mom has uh, been pretty much immobile in the sense that she hasn't had her license in years. So she has to rely on us to get around. And we did make an arrangement with Bank of America that she can no longer do online transactions. She has to go into a branch so that someone can talk to her. But I think that all changed when COVID hit. Okay, they agreed to do that. That's an interesting avenue I never thought about. Yeah. And the thing with that was my dad and I called them to explain what was going on to see what could be done if we could maybe strip her of her um, ability to spend from the account. But of course, they're saying, well, we can't make any changes to the account without you both on the line and agreeing to that. And my dad was just like, she's compliant. She's not going to do that, but it needs to happen anyway. And of course, they wouldn't touch it. And I I used a trick that I learned from an old supervisor And I'm not the type to get irate with customer service people at all. But on this particular call, I said, "Okay, so you need to listen to me right now. What you're doing and not taking action, you're going to end up making an old woman lose all of her savings, possibly her home. And I would really, really hate to call Channel 8 and explain to them that you (laughs) did nothing 
Exactly, <laughs> especially Bank of America, because they've got such a bad rep anyway. Well, actually, I realize now I misspoke. It was Wells Fargo. It's not even Bank of America. Well, that one, too. But, um, <laughs> but then they were just like, hold, please. And they went ahead and sent me to someone else. And that person was the person that was like, OK, we still can't do anything, but I'm going to put this note in this alert on here. That makes it so that she at least has to go through these steps. That way she has to speak to someone at the branch and then they will explain to her. She said, unfortunately, we still can't make any changes to how she chooses to spend her money and what she does with it. But she can at least have a talk. What do you think is the answer here? I wish there was a way with as prominent as this problem has become. I think that there should be some level of the bank's getting more involved with like, you know, maybe set a standard for a certain amount of information or transactions. Um, Cause you know, we've got mountains of it. We've got mountains and mountains of it. She's had a number of fraudulent checks that she's tried to deposit that she's received from these people. She finally got smart to where now she checks to see if they're fraudulent before she makes the deposit. That's the part that really, I think, reels someone like her in is this idea that, oh, you're giving me money? You must be real. And even though it's happened to her over and over now, I think at this point, much like a gambler that just wants to put that last $200 down to win it all back, that's where she is right now, is that she's dug herself in a hole so deep, she's taking that risk on this next one being real. Because every one of them promises to pay off all her bills. And yeah, the most recent one, she's given him an ultimatum of if he's not here by June 14th, she's given up on him. That's thrilling. I'm so happy to know that. But unfortunately, she might block him and never talk to him again, but there's still going to be others. There are others in wait right now. She's literally talking to about 10 to 15 guys at once and probably at, at least five of them at the same time. I love you, honey. You're my soulmate. I can't wait for us to be together. And and she even lies to them. She'll she'll be on 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 a call with one. I've heard her do this on a call with one. Hangs up that call because there's another one coming in on call waiting. And she says, "Oh, sorry, I was talking to my son. You ain't talked to your son in 15 years, but okay." You're so committed to these guys that you're even going to the lengths of lying so they won't be jealous. It's just. Oh, she's a scammer player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how she's become. Ugh, it's just, it's just so gross, and I don't know, I don't know what to do. Harriet's plan now is to just continue planting the seeds of doubt, so maybe she'll eventually change her tune. I've been trying to preach from the mountaintops about how this is an actual addiction. Now you're not just hearing it from me. I want to thank Harriet for sharing her story with me and with you. We talked about how therapeutic it was for both of us to be able to talk to someone who understands what we're going through, what we've been through. I think this is a disease, and it affects families, just like any other addiction. The lies, the manipulation are real. If you have a story you'd like to share, you can email me at scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. If you need help, I recommend two Facebook groups. Scamming Scammers Action is the first place I got answers. And advocating against romance scammers, I'm on the board of that one. Until next time, scammer warriors.